a third of our life is spent in our work world. Whatever that means for us. I mean, stay-at-home moms or working in the factory or uh, you're a student, that's your work right now. Or an athlete, that's some of your work right now. I was thinking about how much that equates to in real life. Do you know that on an average, a person works 90,000 hours in one's lifetime? Like, dang, that's a lot of work, right? That equates to 5,400,000 minutes of our lives spent in our 9 to 5. That means 324 million seconds of one's lifetime is spent doing work of some kind, which equates to 11,258 hour days. And some of you are like, yeah, I'd like just an eight-hour day. You're working 10, 12, 14. And then, then there's all the stay-at-home parents in the room. Like, you might as well just triple all those numbers because, like, you never get a break. Like, it's nonstop, go time, 24-7, it feels like, doesn't it? it? Work is a huge part of our lives. Some of you are looking forward to Monday morning. And, and you're, you know, like, you love your job and you love what you do. And there's a great culture in your workplace and you're looking forward to it. Others of you, you're dreading. You're like, Todd, why are we talking about work? This is like the weekend. This is my day. Like, come on. And some of you, you're dreading work. And work's hard and work's tough in the environment that you're in or the job that you're in. But what if I told you that no matter where you're at, what you're doing, student, factory worker, stay-at-home parent, business person, teacher, what if I told you that where you are is exactly where God has you and he wants to use you in your workplace to both bring him glory, that is to elevate his, his name, and also to love and serve people through our work. In fact, one 19th century poet put it this way. They said, to lift up the hands in prayer, that gives God glory, but... A man with a dung fork in his hand, a woman with a slop pail, give him glory too. God is so great that all things give him glory if you mean they should. See, everything that we do has the potential to glorify God and to serve other people. But it has to do with our heart attitude towards that. And how do we, how do we make sure that our work is really making a difference? It, that it really is making an impact so what we want to do this weekend, we want to turn to Acts chapter 18 in our Bibles. We've been journeying through the life of the early church, and uh, as the gospel goes from place to place, and, and what we're going to hone in is on just the very first three verses of what, what is happening in the life of Paul and some of his friends as they're serving and sharing and working. And then we're going to flip the page and, and move into a, a letter that Paul then would write to a group of believers that, it has, that I think has something to say for our everyday work world, all right? Acts chapter 18, and it begins in verse 1. It says, then Paul left Athens and he went on to Corinth. Now, Paul is in his second missionary journey right now. And like I said, they're, they're traveling all around, city to city, country to country even, sharing Jesus with people. People are coming to faith and uh, churches are being established. Lives are being changed. And Paul's just left Athens and about 46 miles away, 
he heads to Corinth. Now, Corinth was the capital of Achaia. And Corinth was a destination city. It was, it was beautiful. It was luxurious. But Corinth was also known to be full of licentiousness and immorality. And so it was strategic for Paul to go to Corinth because he wanted to share the, both the love and the light of Jesus to what had become a very dark place and in Corinth. Now, it says there, that is in Corinth, Paul became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. So we're introduced to these two new characters, Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife, and it says uh, that, that they had moved there recently from Italy. And Aquila and Priscilla would become close friends of the Apostle Paul. It was no accident that they ended up in Corinth at the same time. But what was it that pushed them out of Italy to Corinth? It says they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all of the Jews from Rome. Now, uh, R.C. Sproul is helpful here in his commentary on the book of Acts it, let, it gives us a little window into what was really going on and why Aquila and Priscilla end up there. It says, The decree came about because of a disruption and an upheaval on, uh, happening in the city of Rome due to the teachings of one Jewish person named Charestus. In the writing of the Roman historian Suetonius is mention of Jesus. His name is misspelled Charistus, which reflects the pagan pronunciation of the name Christus, the Greek name for Jesus. So, all that to say, this historian is recording a name, and it's actually the name of Christ. It's the name of Jesus. So, why was Claudius Caesar deporting, getting rid of all the Jews in Rome? Well, it was because of the teachings of Jesus and how it was impacting and changing the lives of the Jewish people. And Claudius Caesar felt like this was a threat to his power. And so he says, just get them all out of here. <laughs> deport them, get, get them far away. And at first it's like, well, that stinks. I mean, they're being kicked out of their own kind of hometown. And yet God was weaving his sovereign plan in all this so that Aquila and Priscilla would be in Corinth at the same time that Paul on a second missionary journey would land there. They would develop a friendship and a, a partnership in the ministry and actually in their work life as well. It says, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just like he was. Now, when you think about tents, maybe this is the image that comes into, into your mind. Um, I remember uh, I bought a little pop tent, and when Lisa and I were um, kind of early on in our marriage, and I had the bright idea that we would try camping. And uh, so I got this pop tent. I never took, took the thing out of there. I mean, it said right on the, on the box, four to six people four to six person tent. I'm like, oh, it's just me and Lise with plenty of room. So we get to the, we get to the campsite and start setting this thing up. And uh, I mean, I don't know, it must be four to six very small people. I mean, we're not that big. My wife, she's four foot eight. Like we're really not that big. And then we start putting up this tent. And of course, you know, I mean, I didn't want to I mean, I'm more of a glamper than a camper. I, I need, like, we brought the big air mattress. It was like a double thick air mattress. So literally, I blow this thing up. It takes up every space. There is no space for anything else. 
And in fact, it's bowing the sides of the pop tent, and then I'm sleeping at night, and it's like the, like the, like my face is at the roof of the pop tent. Well, this is not the kind of tent that Paul made, all right? Tony Morita, um, a pastor and author of a, another commentary of the book of Acts, he says that some of the church fathers rendered this term tent maker as a leather worker, since tents were often made of leather. This description is likely, uh, likely true in a sense. Others suggest that Paul was more of a cloth worker who manufactured tents using goat hair. Which I'm thinking, I got allergies, man. Don't put me in a goat hair tent. Uh, regardless of exactly what job it involved, this is what's, what's significant. Paul, like other rabbis, he knew how to work with his hands, not just with their mind. He was able to do what others have to do. He could make a living in a secular vocation. Here's what's important. You know, when I think about the Apostle Paul, and maybe you do too if you're churched or you've grown up reading the Bible at all, and like Paul was like kind of a big deal. Like I, I, he wrote tons of the New Testament. I mean, he, he led so many people to faith. He uh, helped so many people grow in their faith and empowered them into the ministry and churches are planted all over the place because of the Apostle Paul. And sometimes we have this kind of idolized idea of Paul. But I want you to know that his work was not just being a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. He worked with his hands. He made tents. He didn't want to be a burden to anybody. And so he was like bivocational and, and he took care of himself and his needs. And, and yet it gave him great freedom then to be able to do ministry and to share the good news of Jesus. One uh, rabbinic proverb says, uh, he who does not teach his son a trade teaches him to be a thief. And this would have been true. I mean, Paul was raised to be a rabbi, a teacher, and yet he was taught a trade. So all that to say, we need to remember that the people writing scripture, they weren't just holy pastors and preachers. They were real people like you and me, and they went, they had real jobs and they worked, and they worked hard. And I think in some of Paul's other teachings, in fact, in a letter that he wrote to a church that was gathering in the city of Colossae, we gained some insight into his work ethic that I think you and I can learn something from together. In fact, in the book of Colossians chapter 3, it's the very first verse that I ever memorized in my entire life. Before John 3.16, before, before the 23rd Psalm, very first verse. I learned it in the New International Version, the NIV. So that's what I'll quote it from. And, and the verse just says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That verse was so significant to me as a 17-year-old who had just come to faith. I was a student. I was an athlete. I was in the school band. I was working at McDonald's. I was trying to figure out, like, what does my faith have to do with all the rest of my life? And this, this verse challenged me because it said, actually, my, my faith, our faith, should impact everything about us. Whatever we do, whether in word or deed, all the things that come out of my mouth, all the things that I say, and all the things that I do, all the actions that I take, whatever that looks like, is to be done 
to glorify God, to do it in the name of Jesus, in a way that would honor God. And actually, in this chapter of the book of Colossians, Paul goes on to kind of lay out how real faith should impact other areas of life. He, he gives directives to husbands and wives saying, hey, your faith should impact your marriage in an incredibly positive way. And he goes on to give directions to parents and to children. He says, man, your faith should make a difference in your family life. And then he even goes on to give some directives to slaves. And slavery was a normal part of the New Testament lifestyle. And it wasn't the kind of slavery that we often kind of picture in our mind. In fact, many slaves uh, chose to be slaves. They, they, it was a way to provide for their family. Some slaves were worked as accountants for their, for their slave masters. Some slaves were even physicians in the New Testament. And so I think some of what Paul says to slaves can be applied directly to us as employees and employers. So think about it in that, from that viewpoint as we look at what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. He says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at Whatever you do, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Now, this was written to slaves and some of you are like, well, it fits perfectly with me in my work world because I feel like a slave. <laughs> but it applies, to, I think, to all of us Whatever we are doing, wherever we're at, whoever our boss may be, whether that's our principal or our coach or whether that's the CEO or whether that's the manager, and who we are and how we work, it matters. So what does this say? What does what Paul's directives here say to us? I think uh, he begins saying, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, like be obedient, like um, do, what, do what they ask you to do. And then it's like he's saying, work with, work with integrity. He, he says in verse 22, try not to please them. That is, try, not to please your, try to please your masters all of the time, not just when they are watching you. You know that old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play, right? And it, it's easy when the, when, the, when the boss is out of sight. I mean, I remember my dad worked in a factory and he liked working third shift because there were less bigwigs on the floor, you know. You, it just wasn't so pressured, you know. But, but Paul's saying we need to be people that work with deep integrity, character. Like we aren't working just when somebody's looking over our shoulder. Our, our oldest daughter, Lainey, she just graduated from college this spring and she got her first big girl job. And uh, she's working remotely. Maybe the one good thing that came from COVID, right? Like, like so many more people have a new level of freedom to work remotely. And uh, she quickly discovered within the first two weeks, she had a lot of extra free time on, on, on her hands. She's like, Dad, she goes, they need to give me more work. And honestly, I was kind of proud of her because she was like, well, Dad, I can't, I mean, I, they're paying me to work. I went to school to learn stuff and I, I want to 
do stuff. I want, I want to make a difference. I, I want to help. And, and it, it said to me, man, maybe, maybe some of God's truth and maybe hopefully some of our example and some of our guidance, hopefully it's, it's kind of weaved its way into Lainey's life that she realizes, like, when you work, you work. We're not there to just sit around. She's like, yeah, Dad, I mean, I know, I can tell there's, there's people, they don't even have their notifications on and who knows what they're doing. And it doesn't mean you can't take a break. doesn't mean you can't, you know, hang out and, and catch up with a, with a friend. But to work and to work with integrity is what Jesus calls us to. Work with integrity. John Piper puts it this way. He says, be absolutely and meticulously honest and trustworthy on the job. Be on time. Give a full day's work. He says, more people rob their employers by being slackers than by stealing the petty cash. <laughs> it should challenge us. It, I mean, it, it challenges me, challenges all of us uh, to work with integrity. But the second thing that Paul, I think, is kind of saying here, in fact, it's the very word he uses, is to work with sincerity. He says, serve them, serve your masters, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Serve them with integrity. Serve them with sincerity. You know when you write a letter to some? Well, we don't really write letters anymore, do we? We just type them up or we text them up. But sometimes, you know, at the end you say, sincerely, Todd Nielsen, or sincerely. And, and what are we saying when we sign a letter sincerely? We're saying, what I said, I meant. What I said is true. Like, I'm being honest with you. Like, this is truly from me. And when Paul says, serve them with sincerity, he's saying, serve, serve others with the real you. Be honest. Uh, work hard. <laughs> Make sure that they know that you mean what you do. It's for the good of the school or good of the team or the good of the company. Serve them sincerely. Now, some of you are here this weekend, and you're like just kind of exploring faith and checking things out, and you're like, Todd, man, don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> and, and I want you to know that like these are Paul's directives towards those that are followers of Jesus, that have given their life to Christ. Like It should change how we do work. And I will say, though, like if you're here, regardless of what you believe about Jesus, the Bible— like, if you work with integrity, if you work with sincerity, if you work the way that God's Word calls us to work, it's, it's going to be good for you. It is. Because your employer, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to see these things in you. But even, even for some of you that are just kind of exploring faith, maybe you've rubbed up again. Maybe you work with somebody that calls themselves a Christian. Maybe, you know, maybe they got their little Bible study at the lunchtime. Listen, that doesn't mean much if they're a slacker the rest of the day, does it? In fact, some of you have rubbed up against shoulders that, shoulders with some Christians who call themselves a Jesus follower, but they're sloughing off and they're taking advantage of the system. And if, if you've seen that, I want you to know that's, that's, not, that's not like Jesus. And we're not, we're, we're not perfect. But we can do better as followers of Christ in how we work and represent Jesus wherever we're at. It says work with sincerity. Somebody put it this way. They said how we work is a direct reflection of our spiritual condition. 
If you lack sincerity in the workplace, then you most likely lack sincerity with God. Like, oh. What it's saying is that our vertical relationship with God should affect all of our horizontal relationships as well. I mean, the greatest commandments, love God and love people. It should change how we work. Well, Paul goes on, and I think next he would say, work willingly. In fact, that's what he says in the text, word for word. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly. Uh, Friday was my and Lisa's 27th wedding anniversary, which was, yeah, you can cheer for us. It's not always been easy. We're working at it, just like you guys are. And uh, actually, we dated for almost five years, so I was thinking, like, dang, it's like 32 years. I mean, I still like her a lot. <laughs> and uh, I better. <laughs> and so, so um, I, we, I surprised her, and we went out for a dinner. I mean, fancy, fanciest dinner I've ever had in my entire life. Most expensive dinner I've ever had in my life. We won't talk about that, but we, we went out to dinner, and it was, I mean, it was a wonderful time. We just sat, and we relaxed, and our waiter comes up to the table, and it's not just the waiter, like there's another person serving water, and it feels like there's another person there bringing bread. I mean, it's like, whoa, where are all these people coming from? Like, I'm used to one, and usually they're hardly around, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and I mean, right away, this waiter, I mean, he's having the time of his life. He's like, well, it's so good to have you guys here tonight. And oh, and what 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 anniversary number is this for you too? And I mean, and of course, yeah, he's smooching us a little bit, and he's working for the tip, and you know. But I mean, this guy, he he's just well. Have you ever dined with us? And 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 then he starts to go in. I mean, he's given me all the details. Of, he literally explained every single appetizer, every single dish on the menu, and like you know, and this comes from the region of such and such. And I mean, like, and I mean. He was just there. He was working willingly. Like, like he, he was all in. It, it made our experience so great. Because the flip side is we've all, you know, sat down at a table and waiter comes over, a waitress, and is like, what do you want? You know? You ever been in one of those situations and it's just like, like, are you, am, am I a pain to you right now? Like, I haven't even said anything. I mean, I didn't even send my food back yet. I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't ask for extra something or can you take this off of it? Or it doesn't have to be a, a waiter or waitress. It could be the person checking you out at the um, grocery store. Um, and it's like, I mean, you interrupted their text conversation that they were having. And it's like, <laughs> you feel like the biggest interruption in their world. And yet you're standing there going like, isn't this like your job? Like, See, all of us know what it feels like when we've rubbed up against somebody that works willingly or somebody that they don't want to be there. And you can tell. And they don't care about you. They're just barely doing it for the paycheck. Paul says, work willingly. Like, I think, I think about Jesus. Jesus, he did his work. And he did it willingly. And it was, not, it was not an easy work. Jesus would hand himself over to be beaten and mocked and ridiculed and nailed to a cross. That was his work. 
And he did so willingly. I think we can, I think we can willingly serve other people. I think we can willingly serve our boss, regardless of who they are, how they treat us. Why? Because we're working for the Lord rather than for people. See, that's the motivation. If you're a Christ follower, we don't just report to that guy or that gal that's above us. We rep- Our chain of command, it's much, much higher. Our work matters. And finally, I think Paul would say work expectantly. He says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've put your faith in Christ, someday you, you and I, we will stand before God and the reward that he will have for you, it won't just be about how many people you told about Jesus. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For Aquila and Priscilla, it was making tents. For Paul, it was making tents and and sharing Jesus with people. For some of you, it's on the football field, it's in your classroom, it's at the bowling alley, it's at the hospital as you're caring for patients, It's, it's in the business field, it's teaching kids, it's fixing leaky pipes, whatever, whatever you do, you guys, it matters. So let's do it for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness. And would you help us to work, to work with integrity, sincerity, willingly, but also expectantly, so that one day we might hear your words, well done, good and faithful servant of mine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.